Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey. If this is your first time listening and you want to hear more episodes of the Activate Podcast, you can check it out on iTunes or on soundcloud.com by searching Jillian Pelkey Activate. Uh, Let's pray and then let's get right into what the Lord has for us today. Jesus, we come before you and we are grateful. God, we come before you and we know that our blessings are too many to count. We know, Lord, that you've given us more than we deserve, that your mercy is, is so big, that your love for us is more than we could even begin to think on. We can't measure your love. Your love is so great for us. And so, God, we come with thankful hearts and we thank you for this time, Lord, where uh, you want to open your word to us and, and pour out yourself into us. And so, God, we just pray that each ear would be unstopped, God, that each heart would be open to hear what you have for them. Jesus, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18. And uh, we're going to start right in verse Jeremiah 18, 15. It says, But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to worthless idols. This makes them stumble in all that they do. They stumble about in the old ways of their ancestors. They walk along back roads and on poor highways. So Judah's country will become an empty desert. People will not stop making fun of it. They will shake their heads as they pass by. They will be shocked at how their country was destroyed. I will scatter them before their enemies as a strong east wind blows things away. At that awful time, they will not see me coming to help them. They will see me leaving. So in this verse, Jeremiah is talking to the nation of Israel, to God's people. But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to worthless idols. I want to take a look today at these verses and how they apply to us. Recently, I was reading a biography book. And the person in the biography was was talking about his childhood and how he knew some Christian people, but they took Christianity just too far. And they didn't want to be one of those people who took their Christianity too far. And many of us churchgoers, we will say um, that we are happy to take our Christianity too far, that we do, we 100% believe in in God, we 100% want to live for Him, that we're not just from the outside looking in, we're all in, we believe in God. And yet, our actions don't show that. And yet our actions don't show that. We very easily, you know, the fool says in his heart that there is no God. And we as Christians, we say adamantly, there is a God. We believe in God. We'll vote our Christian beliefs. We'll talk about our Christian beliefs on Facebook. Uh, We will go to church. But I want to talk today about taking our faith too far. And in my journal, I have written in, in red pen, and it's it's almost haunting when I look at it because it's so powerful. It says, I want to take this too far. I want to take this too far. And what I'm talking about is God. I want to take this too far. This is personal. This is so personal. I want to have my life wrecked and be no good to this world. I want to be useful for God and His kingdom alone. I want to take this too far. I want to go all out. I want to be sold out. I want everything. I want all my eggs in one basket. I want all myself poured out like an offering before the Lord. And the further and further I get in my walk, the step after step that I take as I'm, I, I'm, I'm following Jesus, I'm going deeper and deeper into His 
way and his world, I'm less and less useful for earth. And it's been so super obvious in my life as I've started to take Mondays and just spending Mondays with the Lord. Sometimes it's super painful because there's so many other things to do. And sometimes it's so beautiful, the adventure that I go on every Monday with Jesus and the things that God is longing to tell us, the the time he's longing to spend with us. and, And we have not made him the Lord of our lives. And yet we will all confess him and we'll all go to church, but there's something different about completely offering our lives. There's something different about having our actions backed what we say we believe. And it's like any area of life we can talk about art. We could talk about dieting. We could talk about fashion. We can go to things that represent these, but until we actually embody it and live it, then we're just fans. We're just looking from the outside saying, yes, we appreciate this. And the thing about God is that the Spirit of God is available for everyone. A deep prayer life is available for everyone. We hear of pastors that spend two and three hours a day in prayer. They get up super early and they won't see anyone and they won't do anything until they spend hours in prayer with the Lord. And we always say, oh, that's for certain people. That's not for me. And what if it's for all of us? I think about Muslim people and I just get this picture in my my mind of, of all these Muslim people bent over in prayer on a hard floor, all bent over in their, in their robes, bending over and praying to a false God. And I think about us as Christians and I think, would we ever bow our knees corporately and pray to the real God with such fervent consistency? I want to take this too far. I want to take this too far. I want to take it all the way. I want to live unto the Lord. And in Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah says, But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to worthless idols. And we as good Christians would say, No, we don't. There's no idol that we make offerings to. I made a quick list of the things that I offer myself to that's not God. First of all, we got to look at what is an offering. An offering is something that's yours, that's valuable, that you can give to someone on purpose. Something that's yours and is valuable that you can give to someone on purpose. That's my own thing I I made up. But an offering has to have value to you. Otherwise, you're just... It's, it's, it's not an offering. You're not giving anything of yourself. So something that, that's yours, that's valuable, that you can give to someone on purpose. You don't accidentally give an offering. You make a decision. You say, here's, this is mine, and I'm, it's valuable, and I'm giving it away. So what are things that are ours that are valuable? Time. Let that sink in. If you were to make a, a pie chart of your time, How much time are you giving as an offering unto the Lord every day, not on Sundays and Wednesday nights? How much time are you offering to the Lord? And the Lord's been challenging me so much lately with that, to pray three times a day, to pray morning, noon, and night. 
to find moments to get alone with God and to pray, not just as I'm driving, not just distracted prayer as I'm doing something else, but to stop everything I'm doing, get alone with God and to really pray. I have time that is, that is mine. What else is mine? My attitude. That's mine. My money, my home, my car, my children, my husband, jewelry, clothes, food, faith. Those are things that are mine. And what do I offer those things to? What do I offer my attitude to? Myself. <laughs> so then, so then, if all those things are mine, what are my idols in my life? If these things that are mine, time, attitude, money, my home, my car, my children, my husband, my jewelry, my clothes, my food, my faith, those are all valuable things to me. And your, your list might look similar or very different, but we all have a list of things that are valuable to us, that belong to us. So what are my idols? What are the things that I'm offering these things to? Here's my idols. My iPhone, Netflix, games, people, work, myself, coffee, my privacy, my security, and my children. All these things have become idols in my life. My phone is an idol because I offer it my time. Daily, I offer my time. Daily, I give something that's valuable. My time is so valuable and I give it to my phone. I give my valuable time to Netflix. I give my valuable time to solitaire games on my phone. I give myself over to people and things that they want me to do or things they ask me to do instead of what God has called me to do. And, you know, I've referenced pastors that pray for those hours every day. They have to say no to a lot of things in order to do that. Do you know how many people I have to say no to in order to do the things that God has asked me to do? But if I run around doing all the things that people ask of me, I'll never do the things that God asks of me. I have to obey the Holy Spirit over other people. And that's so difficult because people praise you out loud very, very boldly. But God's ways are so much better. And the things God asks you to do are so much better and so much more fulfilling. So listen to God rather than the cries of people. Because if you listen to the cries of people, you're going to be releasing Barabbas instead of Jesus in your life. Other idols are, are work are you offering yourself to work rather than to God? The next one is your, myself. I am my own idol. I offer all these things to myself. I spend my time and resources on myself. My own lazy, foolish desires. I am my own idol. I always make time for coffee. Do I always make time for Jesus? I spend money on coffee. Do I spend a few dollars every day on things that Jesus would want me to spend money on? Do I give money away to the poor, to the, those that are in need? Would I give $5 a day away? Probably not, but I'll buy coffee. I make sure I have it. I don't leave home without it. My privacy is an idol. Wanting my own time instead of offering my whole self to the Lord. My security, my money is my security, my home is my security, my car is my security. What if I offer it to somebody else? What if I offer the space in my home to somebody else? And my children can very easily become an idol in my life because I want to make sure they have everything they need more than I want to obey God. So we give all of our resources, we give all the things that are ours as offerings daily to idols. 
So to say that I don't have an idol, it's not true. We are very much like the nation of Israel, but it's disguised. I have a quote um, from this book, and it says, um, <laughs> this is page 36. It's called a book called Seven Men and the Secrets of Their Greatness. It's a biography book by Eric Medics. And the quote says, he had also drunk the culturally acceptable waters of aloofness and skepticism toward anyone who took their Christian faith seriously. He had drunk the culturally acceptable waters of aloofness. There's so much to talk about there in our American Christian church. We are aloof to the things of God because we are serving idols that are hidden. They're not wooden idols that are painted and that we make little offerings to like uh, the, the, you'll see those in a Chinese nail shop where they have little idols and they make offerings to their little Buddha statues. We're not doing that, but in the Christian church, we have idols and we are making offerings to them and we need to stop. We need to serve the Lord and serve the Lord alone. We need to spend our time, our talent, our treasure on Jesus. We are offering ourselves to idols. Jeremiah 18 goes on. It says, but my people have forgotten me. We're on episode 59 of whatever show, but we have forgotten the Lord. My people have forgotten me. They make offerings to worthless idols. Now here's the next sentence. But first we have to accept the fact that we're making offerings every day. We're offering something every day. Okay, we're making offerings to idols. And it says, this makes them stumble in all they do. This makes them stumble in all they do. When we are offering ourselves to things other than Jesus and Jesus alone, we are stumbling in all that we do. There's a verse that the Lord has just put on my heart so clearly. Let me find it. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are tired and have heavy loads. I will give you rest. We have heavy loads. We have all this stuff because we're, we're offering ourselves to things other than Jesus. We are not sold out to Jesus. And then this verse goes on. It says, accept my work. Accept my work. Accept my work and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. The work that I ask you to accept is easy. The load I give you to carry is not heavy. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. And then Psalm 127 says, If the Lord doesn't build the house, the builders are working for nothing. If the Lord doesn't guard the city, the guards are watching for nothing. It has to be the work of Jesus. Otherwise, we're offering our time to things that we shouldn't be offering our time to. If we would get alone long enough to get to know Jesus, to sit in his presence, to sit toe-to-toe with Jesus, to sit there with Jesus and hear what is his work for our lives, what are the things that he is asking us to do, and that will give us rest for our souls. But we're stumbling, and we're tired, we're worn out. We are a nation of people riddled with anxiety and, and sadness and just plain old tiredness. We have no time. We have no resources. We're burnt out. Barely any of us are doing things that we love. We're doing things we have to do to survive. And Jesus says, accept my work. Because it's going to be easy and you'll find rest for your soul.
if we don't do the work of the Lord, we're going to stumble. If we do the work of the Lord, we're going to find rest. I want to be sold out. I want to take this too far because the Bible promises me when I take it too far, when I'm sold out all the way, I'll find rest. But if I just dabble in it, then I'm not truly a disciple. I'm not disciplined in the things of the Lord. Jeremiah 18, 15, but my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to worthless idols. This makes them stumble in all that they do. They stumble about in the old ways of their ancestors. They walk along back roads and on poor highways. They stumble about in the old ways of their ancestors and they walk along back roads and on poor highways. Friends, we don't have to walk on back roads. We don't have to walk the way our parents or grandparents did. We can have a fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit to do mighty and great things that will rock this whole planet that will change the world. If we will humble ourselves and pray, if we will actually do the things we say we, we love, if we actually spend hours in worship and hours in prayer, and if we actually surrender our very lives to the Lord, saying, God, not my will, but yours to be done. And if I put to death myself and I become alive as a new person, I come alive as a child of the living King, everything's different. Everything's different. We can't dabble anymore. We have to take this thing too far. We have to take this thing all the way. Otherwise, we're going to be like the generation behind us. We'll travel down the same roads with the same frustrations. But the creative God of the universe in his masterful workmanship has designed you for this season, this era, this generation to do something mighty, not to do something useless. But the only way to get to to that point, to do the thing that God's created you to do is to spend time in his presence, to spend hour after hour putting to death the evil that's in you and making the the Holy Spirit come alive, to put on the mind of Christ, to, to get to know Jesus, to just spend time with him then we begin to die and he begins to live and less of me and less of me and more of him and then the world will never be the same the world changed with 12 disciples who are willing to get up think about Matthew who got up in the middle of his day in the middle of his job walked out and followed Jesus think about the fishermen who left their nets behind left their families behind left their wives and their husbands and their or not their husbands they were all men but they left their wives and their uh, their income and everything behind to follow Jesus friend Leave it all behind and follow Jesus. Accept his work in your life. Why are you holding on, white knuckling, holding on to the things of this world? Why are you just dabbling in your Christianity? I get that picture again of of a room, a mosque full of Muslims bent low before a false god. And that's what we do when we get on our phone for three hours. We bow low before a false God. That's what we do when we spend hour after hour after hour after hour at basketball games and not a minute in prayer, not a minute in the word. We've made idols of our children. We've made idols of TV shows. We've made idols of everything besides Jesus. Get obsessed with Jesus. Get sold out for Jesus. Take this way too far. And I promise when you take it way too far that the Holy Spirit will be unleashed in your life to do things you could never come up with on your own. These ideas that God gives you are supernatural. They're not of this world. They're beyond us. 
and he will provide everything. Jeremiah says they forgot God. They're offering to worthless idols. They're doing just what their ancestors did. They're stumbling along when they don't have to stumble along. You don't have to stumble along. Verse 16, so Judah's country will become an empty desert. People will not stop making fun of it. How many people are making fun of church people? How, how much is the church at large being ridiculed and made fun of? Because we're not living the way that God intended us to live. We're not taking it too far. We're just doing enough to get by, to call ourselves Christians, to brand ourselves as Christians. But we're not living lives that are completely 110% surrendered with no going back. We haven't left everything to follow him yet. People will not stop making fun of it. They will shake their heads as they pass by. They will be shocked at how the country was destroyed. I will scatter them before their enemies as a strong east wind blows things away. At that awful time, they will not see me coming to help them. They will see me leaving. We will see the Lord leaving because we're not his people. If we're not sold out to be his disciples and his followers, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me, he says. I don't want back roads and poor highways. In Psalm 12, it says, We can say what we wish. No one is our master. And the psalmist there is, is, is kind of making fun of people who are evil, that think they can do whatever they want, that they don't have a master. They don't have anything guiding or leading them. We have a master, and his name is Jesus Christ. We have a master. We are servants. We have to get in line with what God has called us to do and to be. Too many of us tout the name Christian and you have not taken up our cross to follow him. We are making offerings that cost us nothing. We're making offerings because it makes us look good, not because it all belongs to God anyway, and we're just stewards of what he's given us. What does your offering cost you? Has it cost you everything? Has your life been offered to God? Here's how you can tell. What do you spend your time on? Write it out. Make a, make a chart of your day, your average day, how much of it is spent with Jesus. Not just prayer in the car, not just your daily bread reading in the morning. How much time do you spend before the king of all kings who wants to pour out his spirit on his people, who promises to speak to us that when we seek him with all of our heart, that we will find him. The God of the universe will speak to you. How much time do you spend with him? Not reading somebody else's work, not reading somebody else's book, not reading somebody else's word from the Lord, but how much time do you spend in the actual Bible listening to what God is saying to you, personally you? Have you offered your time and your treasure? There's so much about tithing and giving and offerings of money. But have you given yourself to God? 
Is he really the Lord of your life? Is he really the master of your life? Does every single decision flow through him? I'm talking everything. I'm talking where you go on vacation, what car to buy. I'm talking everything. Does every decision flow through him? Or are you your own idol? Do you know better than Jesus? Do you know better than God? Are you leading your life? Because I think you're going to start stumbling. You'll be on a back road. You'll be on a path that your ancestors were on. Or are you ready to be called out by God? Are you ready to make some changes so that your life is completely His? I think of the other day when I'm sitting in this room alone all by myself, and there were probably like five other things that people had asked me to do that day, but I knew I had to keep my appointment with the Lord. You know, in this whole idea of having an appointment with the Lord, there was a, an African woman when I was in Bible college who told me about how she would make appointments with the Lord and she would take the day off of work. She would dress in her finest clothes. She would put on perfume and makeup and she would go up to the attic and she would close the door and she would sit and spend the day with Jesus. And recently when the Lord put on my heart to, to spend Mondays with him, he said, don't you work for me? Aren't, aren't you mine? And as I'm sitting alone in a room praying, deep into like my third hour of praying, I'm picturing Jesus up on a throne. I'm picturing Jesus up on this golden throne. And then God says to me, not only am I there on the throne, but I'm right here next to you. To know the presence of God was in this room. To know Jesus was sitting here with me. There's nothing that can replace that. There's nothing that even compares that. You can't even describe it. Words don't even describe being with Jesus. And to know his love, I mean, and I can only like a pinky finger uh, amount of his love that I can even grasp, but just to hear him wash over me and, and, and to tell me that he loves me that he created me, that he knows all my faults and he still has a plan and he still finds me useful to sit in the presence of Jesus. What else is there in this world? I want to leave this world behind knowing that I spent my life, that I gave it all, that I left nothing on the table. You know, Christianity is tremendously inconvenient. It is tremendously inconvenient. It's not going to just be handed to you. Nobody's just going to suggest the things that you need to do for the Lord to you. You're going to have to seek the Lord and you're going to have to say no to things to make room, to make time for the things that God has called you to. Last Monday, I went and found myself sitting in the parking lot of a shop right in the middle of uh, the busy part of Utica. I don't really know where in Utica I was, but I'm in the shop right parking lot and I'm just watching the people coming and going. And I saw about seven different nationalities of people going into shop right. I saw Chinese people and Filipino people. I saw Hispanic people. I saw African-Americans. I saw Pakistani people. I saw um, 
you could tell the different uh, religious beliefs based on what they were wearing. I saw um, a Muslim man and a Muslim woman, and you saw all different walks of life. I saw a young dad go in to get formula and walk out and try to hide it in his coat. (laughs) So he looked cool, not carrying formula home as he's walking. How big the world is. And here I am, this little Caucasian girl living in this sweet little house in this safe little neighborhood. And there's so many people groups 10 miles from me. There's a mission field that my eyes had been closed to. I had forgotten to open my eyes to the people around me. And it takes Jesus to open our eyes at just the right time to show us just the right thing. He has such an amazing plan for my life. And I really would have missed it. I really would have done okay in everybody else's eyes. Everyone would have said she is a great pastor's wife, a great mom. But God has a designed plan and purpose over my life individually. And unless I seek him, there's no one else that can tell me the plan that God has for my life. God's going to map it out for me. And God's going to map it out for you. And maybe he wants to take you somewhere and show you something. Maybe it's on a hike, or maybe it's in a parking lot of a shop, right? Or maybe it's in a library, or maybe it's uh, in a closed off room in your house, just you and Jesus. But he wants to show you the plan and the purpose he has for your life. He wants to use everything you've been through and everything you're going to go through for his glory. And we can go on with our lives. We could stumble along old back roads, or we can get on a highway. And the Holy Spirit can begin to use you in a mighty way like never before. But we have to start making our offerings to God. We have to stop making our offerings to worldly things. We have to stop making offerings of time to our iPhones and start making offerings of our time to the Lord. Imagine if you took two hours of your day. Imagine if you made a margin for two hours of your day and you said, God, however you want to use me in this two hours, you use me. Isn't that bizarre? Who does that? But what, what, what adventure could God take you on in that two hours? It may be an adventure of cleaning your house and making it a safe sanctuary for your family. Or it may be an adventure where he takes you out to meet a neighbor. He may take you out to uh, just talk with you as you go for a walk. Jesus, I have, I'm making time, two hours. God, what do you want from me in this two hours? I'm making an offering of time. I'm making a sacrifice of serving myself. Now, God, I want to now serve you. Instead, I want to find out your plan and purpose for my life. I think we got to take this further. I think we got to take this Christianity thing too far. I think we got to take it over the edge. I think we need to jump off the edge of the, the, the cliff of safety here. God, I want to take this too far. And the reason is, because only when I take it too far am I going to affect other people. Am I going to affect this world with the cause of Christ? Because there is a cause we're fighting for. It's heaven. It's bringing people from the edge of of hell into the the warmth of heaven. It's, It's rescuing people from an eternity of death. And if I say safe and secure and warm in my little house, in my little bed, and I never get up and I never get out. Then I've saved only myself and just barely. I'm not willing to only save myself. 
God didn't create me just for myself. He created me to bring him glory. He created me to spend time with, with him. He created me to get to know him. And as I get to know him, I get to know his strength. I get to know his purposes. I get to know his voice. I get to know his ways. I get to know his compassion for all people. I'm going to read our Jeremiah verse one more time. And I hope that this has challenged you to make an offering to the only God worth offering to. I hope this has challenged you to set some priorities, to set wild amount of times aside for Jesus. Jeremiah 18, 15, but my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to worthless idols. This makes them stumble in all that they do. They stumble about in the old ways of their ancestors. They walk along back roads and on poor highways. So Judah's country will become an empty desert. People will not stop making fun of it. They will shake their heads as they pass by. They will be shocked at how the country was destroyed. I will scatter them before their enemies as a strong east wind blows things away. At that awful time, they will not see me coming to help them. They will see me leaving. I want to encourage you to read Jeremiah 18. The first part of that talks about being a lump of clay that God can use, a lump of clay that he gets to form, that he gets to say what what happens to it. Are you a lump of clay before the Lord today? Will you say, God, whatever you want for my life, I will do it. Wherever you send me, I will go. Here I am. And, And I will make an offering of my life. I will make an offering of my time, of my talent, of my treasure, of myself. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would spend our lives on you. That, God, you would be more important to us than our phones. You'd be more important to us than seasons and episodes on Netflix and Hulu. That, God, you'd be more important to us than Facebook. You'd be more important to us than uh, our friends. That you would be more important to us than even our family. That you would be more important. That, God, we would spend and make time. We would make time in our every day to spend on you. God, help us not to forget you. Help us to be sold out to you above and beyond what we think is just getting by. God, I pray that we would have wild amounts of time spent with you. God, I pray that we would have wild amounts of time spent in prayer. God, I pray that we would have a longing for your word. God, I pray that we would obsessively read the Bible, that we would know it, that it would be our heartbeat. God, I pray our Bible wouldn't be a chain to us. It wouldn't be a hard thing to do, but it would be something we long for. That, God, we would pour ourselves over it and over it and over it, that we would know it. God, I pray that we would draw closer to you. That you would be a brother. That you would be a friend. That you would be our confidant. That you would be our counselor. We know you are these things, but, God, we seldom come to you. Help us, God, to sit in your presence. God, I pray that you transform our evil hearts. Help us, God, to daily surrender our whole lives to you. Be the master of our lives. Be the Lord of our lives. And then, God, I pray that you would use us in mighty ways. That, God, as we get to know your compassion, that, God, then we could truly be your hands, that we could truly be your feet, that our eyes would open to the people that are right down the road from us, that are right near us. That, God, then... After we've spent time with you, we could speak on your behalf. But God, so many of us, we don't even really know you. So people are shaking their heads at us. People are looking at us like we're foolish. Because God, I know that I'm foolish without you. 
God, I know who I am without you. So wash over me, wash over us. Help us to spend time in your presence that we would be less and you would be more. That you would shine through us. That God, when we enter a room, you, your presence would be felt. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your patience with us. Lead us, God. Lead us to you. Thank you, Father. Amen.